0: I'm looking forward to to preaching and teaching this morning on a significant passage of Scripture, John chapter 10. Preparing for this, I was thinking about an incident that happened really several years ago When, when Lauren and I first got married about 13 years ago. We did what was natural at the time. We got a dog, right? Thinking, you get married get a dog then you have children. So we, we got this dog Maggie and she actually was a, a pretty good dog from the from the very beginning. A little golden retriever mix and, and we loved her and you know as most puppies are, she, she didn't listen very very well. We had to train her. But over time she became a great dog. In fact we could we could take her about anywhere without having to, to put her on the leash. And so she would listen, and she would, she would follow, and if we were hiking, she would run off, and then we would call her back. And sometimes uh, we'd take her to the beach you know, early in our, our marriage, and she would just run out and chase the birds and come back. Well, when we were living in Louisville, there was this awesome reserve right outside of uh, Louisville that was yeah, you know, 20, 30 minutes away. It was a, a good retreat for us to, to get away, and there was this big pond right in the middle of this reserve, and so we would, we would go there frequently on the weekends, and we had Maggie with us one, one day. It was a beautiful day, just hiking and, and walking. And so Maggie w- was with us, and there were three geese out in this this little pond. It was not a huge pond, but it was a, a good-sized little pond. That, um, that There were three geese, and so she saw them and took off right after those geese and jumped in the water. And as a, as a golden retriever does, swam great out into the water. And, and she was getting closer and closer to these geese. As she was getting closer, we, Lauren and I we were standing on the, on the shore, and we were just watching these un- events unfold and, and just seeing what was going to happen. But the geese started squawking and, and calling. And literally on the other side of the pond, on this little beach access, there was a hundred geese that, that came into the water as if they were coming to the rescue of their friends. And so here I am standing on the side of this pond thinking, man, these geese are going to attack and kill my dog right here out in the middle of the, the water. She's a great swimmer, but she can't fend off a hundred geese. So I'm like, man, do I go in after her? Do I, do I go in? And then, you know, in front of all these people start fighting off geese. And, you know, so I, I began yelling, Maggie, Maggie. She's, she's pretty far out at this point and stuff. And so she doesn't see what's going on. She's just focused right on those, those three geese. She doesn't see the, the apparent danger I called her, Maggie, Maggie. She hears, turns around, and and swims back as if nothing was going on in in the periphery. She didn't understand the danger she was in. She didn't know what was getting ready to happen to her. And thankfully, when I called her, she listened to my voice. She knew me to be her master. She knew my voice, and she responded and really was kept from significant danger. As we are studying the book of of John, we have been walking through, really since last December, the book of John. And Jesus, throughout the book of John, uses descriptions to teach us about who he is. And they're they're interesting descriptions. I think if you and I were talking and and I was asking you about who you are and, and what you are like, you may not use the descriptions that Jesus uses. But Jesus uses these I am statements, not only to tell us about who he is and what he has come to do, But it also reveals to us really who we are and whether we will follow him. In these statements today, we're going to see that Jesus is saying, I am the door. I am a a gate. He also says he is the good shepherd. and, And those who will follow him will listen to his voice. Not only is it a description of who he is and what he has come to do, but these descriptions, these statements help us to see who we are And as believers, how we ought to respond in faith and obedience to our Savior. Jesus continues in a masterful way to teach us and to show us. And and as I've been reading back and looking at this journey that we're on through the the Gospel of John, Jesus is continuing to be confronted by religious people that that don't like him and and don't want him to, to continue. And yet he's also being uh, surrounded by people in great need and who he changes their, their lives. And he is teaching in a masterful way, even to us thousands of years later. And he's helping us to see. So this morning as we open up John 10, let's pray that the Lord would help us to see him for who he is as the gate and the good shepherd. And that we may respond to him in faith, listen to his voice and follow him. Would you pray with me? Lord, we do come to you this morning, and we thank you for the gift that it is to worship with our brothers and sisters. Lord, our lives are chaotic. Some of us are struggling. Some of us are hurting. Some of us are grieving. Lord, it is a gift, a grace gift that you have given us to be reminded that we could come and sing that you are our salvation, Lord, and that you have given us your word as we study the book of John this morning as we think about who you are and what you have come to do for us. Lord, would you reveal to us your love? Would you reveal to us your protection and your care? And Lord, as you lead us, help us, give us the faith to follow you, to listen to your voice, to listen to your word and follow you. Lord, this is our prayer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to just review the, the text that, that Adam read. In, in the first section, in, in the first 10 verses of, of John 10, Jesus begins to teach, and, and, and those who were listening, they didn't quite understand. So he gives them some clear statements. Let me just read back these first opening verses. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd to the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger, on the other hand, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech that Jesus used with them but they did not understand what he was saying. This was certainly a, an agricultural society. People understood this, this illustration, this parable of shepherds and sheep. but They weren't quite sure what, what Jesus was trying to communicate. He's contrasting two different types of, of people. The, the shepherds who know the sheep, who care for the sheep, who lead the sheep to the pastures, and who call out. He's contrasting those those good and trustworthy servants with those who are are exactly the opposite, the robbers, the thief, who is not trustworthy, who who would come into the sheep pen, not through the gate, but through a different way, who would lead to their destruction. Jesus has been in confrontation with the religious leaders all throughout the book of John. And what we'll see next week as we Rewind the tape back into John chapter 9. We'll see at the end of, of John chapter 9, there has been a man who was born blind but now sees. But there are these religious leaders who physically see but are spiritually blind. And there's this confrontation that goes on and on and on. And here in this masterful way, Jesus is teaching about two different types of leaders. Ultimately, he'll say that he is the good shepherd. But these religious leaders, they, they aren't shepherding the people of God. They are leading them astray. In fact, as, as we're studying this and as I was looking back into some, um, some studies here, uh, Jesus, no doubt, is thinking of um, Ezekiel chapter 34. So if you've got your Bible, turn back to Ezekiel 34 with me. This was written about 600 years before this incident. Where the religious leaders of the time, the, the leaders of the people of Israel, were not good shepherds to the people. And so there's a prophecy from the prophet Ezekiel against those who are leading God's people. I want to read this. It's, a, it's about 12 verses so or 11 verses. So I, I want to just take our, our time and walk through this. But this, was, this is indicative of, of the type of leaders that Jesus is speaking to even 600 years later. Here are these words from Ezekiel 34. The, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds yourselves. Thus says the Lord, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, and you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought. And with force and with harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered, because there was no shepherd, and they became food for the wild beast. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over the face of the earth and with no one to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord as I live, declares the Lord God. Surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts. Since there was no shepherd, because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and not fed the sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord thus Says the Lord God, "Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand to put a stop to their feeding. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will listen to this. I will rescue my sheep. Man, this is this is the, the context. the The people of Israel have been led by, by robbers and thieves, not by shepherds." Jesus is here. He's in the midst of, of controversy with these religious leaders who are no doubt the same 600 years later. And he uses this illustration, this, this parable of sheep and, and shepherds. And it says here in, in verse 6, but they didn't understand. So Jesus becomes a little bit more clear. He says, I am the gate or, or I am the door. To the, to the original hearers, they would have understood. For us, it's a little, a little different. In that time, shepherds would, would often have pens um, either, either near their homes or if they were out in the pasture, they would build these pens, these sheep folds that were you know basically large rocks that were, were stepped, uh, stacked together um, really to keep the sheep in but also keep the predators out. And so they would build up these rocks around the, the sheep and then they would put these like thorny... Brush, kind of like a you know, a razor wire type things, really to again to protect the sheep, to keep things from coming in, to keep the sheep from going out. But because of the, the lack of building supplies, I haven't been to Israel, but I've I've heard that there's just not a whole lot of, of building supplies in terms of wood. So there's a lot of stones, but you can't really build a good gate out of a of a stone, right? You know, it's a little, a little more difficult. So so the shepherd himself would lay at the gate. To keep the sheep in and to keep the, the predators out. So Jesus is, is saying in this, in this illustration and, and through this parable teaching of, of the shepherd and, and the sheep that he ultimately is the gate. He, he's keeping and protecting his flock. He's keeping the, the robbers from, from coming in. He's keeping the wild beast. What the, the religious leaders should have been doing and according to Ezekiel 34 The charge against them is that they allowed God's people to be, what, sent to the wolves, attacked by wild beasts. They weren't corralled together. They weren't protected together. So Jesus is using this illustration to describe who he is and what he has come to do. He has come to provide and to protect the people of God, his people. He is the gate. As we we begin to think about this, Jesus has come to bring ultimate protection and security to our lives. To give us a sense of leadership... He has come to protect us. He has come to to provide for us, as one commentator, D.A. Carson, would say about the door or the gate. He'll he'll compare this later to John chapter 14 when Jesus says, I am the way, right? Jesus later will again describe himself in a a different way, but in a very similar context. I am the way. So so the gate is the the way. It's the passing through, the way that the, the sheep leave the pen. They leave through the gate and they go to the pasture land. This is what Jesus is trying to communicate here. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. There's some security language there. And he will also go out and find pasture. That's what verse 9 says. So there's this kind of dual description here. He is a, a, protector, a protector of the sheep, but he is also the one that is leading them. He is the pathway to find life. And they, and they go hand in hand, Right? where we find security and where we look to security will oftentimes show us where ultimate life is. The other hand, the robbers, they've come to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus has come to give life and to give it abundantly. What the shepherd is offering to the sheep and what he's teaching us today is that he is ultimately giving us both security and life. Where are we finding our security these days? 2,000 years later, we don't build sheep pens for our safety, but we find other ways to, to find security. Where are you looking for ultimate security these days? Do you find ultimate security by moving your family to the safest neighborhood? Do you find ultimate security in the balance your checking account or your net worth? Do you find ultimate security in your education or your job experience? Do you find ultimate security in your youth or your health? Or do you find security in exercising your Second Amendment right? I'll take care of this myself. Let me tell you, the danger lurks around us at every corner. And in many times, it's not just the physical danger that we often see. There is things that are going on. And as we see John's gospel unfold, Jesus has been teaching about the devil and about supernatural things. There is danger at every corner. But we can rest assured that wherever we find ourselves, our health, our wealth, our community connections, even that Smith & Wesson, are not enough to protect us. Jesus Christ He's the gate. He stands between us and danger. He is constantly at work in our lives, protecting us from evil and the evil one. He is the, the creator of the world and also the sustainer of the world. The, the summer interns, we're studying together Colossians this summer. And there's, there's a, a passage that speaks of who Jesus is, the, the Colossians um, Chapter 1, verses 15 through 20, just really a masterful description of Jesus, our Savior. In that, in verse 16 and 17, it says this about Jesus Christ, our Savior, the gate. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Hear this: He is before all things, and in him all things hold together in him all things hold together jesus is our security our lives hold together not by our five-year plan not by our checking account balance it is the sovereign god who stands in the gap who stands as the gate that protects us that provides for us jesus is our ultimate security The irony of this is that we know Jesus, and we know him to be the true source of our life and protection. And yet we look to man-made things for security. I can't tell you how many times I've checked my account balance, thinking that would somehow give me peace or security. Right before our twins were born, which has been seven years ago, it's hard to believe, I was starting my last semester in, in seminary. We were living in Louisville at the time and the twins were, were getting ready to be born. I was starting my semester. We had spent all of our money, we were broke, spent all of our money on, on seminary education, and we were trying to figure this thing out. I was scared. I was anxious. I didn't know what to do. And we got this check in the mail with a, with a simple note. I think it was a, a little post-it note on this and said, this is a time for celebration, not worry. And it was just a... In that moment, when, when everything seemed to be coming undone, and my heart was just looking for, for security, for, for provision, it was as if God was speaking to me, saying, man, trust me, I've got this. I'm actually creating your children right now. I can take, take care of you. Right? So we often look to all of these things, but yet God is the one who brings ultimate He is the one who is the gate. He is protecting us. And so as Jesus is describing, it is helpful to see who he is, but it's also helpful for us to see how we ought to respond to our Savior. Where are you turning today? What are the things that are promising security that will never measure up? He speaks here of hired hands, things that cannot measure up. Trust in the gate. The second description that Jesus uses to tell us who he is and what he's come to do is is this idea of the good shepherd. Look at verses 11 through 18. Let me read those again for us. As I read this, I want you to observe how many times... Jesus says, I will lay down my my life. As As I read this out loud, listen for that description of what the good shepherd has come to do. He has come to lay down his life. Note those as I read verses 11 to 18. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, He sees the wolf coming, and he leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. And for this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This is the charge that I received from my father. You hear that? Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, he lays down his life for the sheep. He's contrasting himself to those hired hands, to those religious leaders who flee at the scene of danger. The good shepherd, he knows his sheep, he protects his sheep, he even would lay down his life for a sheep. I think it says it five or six times. He would lay down his life. And you know, For us who have been believers for a while, for those of us who, oh, this is very common to, to hear the gospel. Yeah, We would say, yeah, Jesus, the good shepherd. He, he lays down his life for the sheep. It sounds very familiar that Jesus died for us. He laid down his life for us. But think about that for a moment. Remove this from, from Jesus. Think about a shepherd and a sheep. Now, a sheep is certainly valuable, right? But a sheep is a dime a dozen. I mean, if, if a herd had 100 sheep or 200 sheep or some of these herds had 500 sheep, losing a sheep is really not that big of a deal. Losing a shepherd, on the other hand, if you had hired a shepherd and you had a, a good shepherd who cared well, who was a good employee, you know, it's hard to find good health these days right you know if you had a a good shepherd a, a good guy who was caring well who was leading the the flock who was who was protecting them and fighting off losing the shepherd would be difficult because the shepherd is far more valuable than a than a sheep this is what Jesus is trying to communicate we are his sheep he is the the good shepherd and he would lay down his life for the sheep now you and I we are image bearers and so we are valuable in the sense that we were created in god's image and yet jesus christ the son of god the the creator of the world the one who is sustaining all of the world he is infinitely more valuable than us he is infinitely more value than the the sum of us if you calculated all of our value he is still infinitely more value as the son of god and jesus christ in this passage says five or six maybe even seven times i willingly lay down my life for the sheep i have the authority i have the the power this is the son of god giving his life as a ransom for the sheep that is the that's the gospel That is the the hope of the gospel that we have today, that Jesus Christ, ultimate and infinite, would freely lay down his life for us. You and I, rebellious, sinful, measly old sheep, Jesus Christ came for us, not just to protect us, not just to, to lead us to abundant life, but to pay the penalty for our sin to to bring us back into God's fold in short this passage is nothing more than a marvelous description and and really it's hard for it you know if, if verse 6 is true how how could they not understand this they, they couldn't understand it is difficult to imagine that Jesus Christ would actually care to die for us it doesn't make a whole lot of worldly sense But it's the heart of the gospel. Hear these words from Romans chapter 5. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I hope you hear the gospel today. I don't know where you are, what your week has been like. I don't know what you're fighting or, or what is happening to you. But hear the hope of the gospel, that, that Jesus Christ loves you. He loves his sheep. He, he knows his sheep. He has laid down his life for you, his sheep. Have you recognized your need for a Savior? Have you come to a place where you're trusting sure there are plenty of things that promise to give us life and hope and security. These hired hands, they will always fail us. They will leave us wanting and maybe even put us in a place of danger. The Good Shepherd, he has come for us. He's asking us to listen to his voice and to follow him. Will you respond to his voice? Hear these words. These are are famous words of scripture. But hear these words as if John 10 is true and Jesus is the good shepherd and he is leading you. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Jesus restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, I'm pretty thankful that I didn't have to jump in that pond and go fight off those geese. I'm thankful that Maggie, she responded to my voice. I'm not really even sure that I could have gotten out there, you know. I'm still working on my, my swim stroke. But she's a good dog. She knew me to be a good master, and she heard my voice. Today, where are you searching for provision, for security, for abundant life? Where are you looking? Who are you listening to to find those significant things? Are you trusting in Christ? My friend, I want to I call you to, to hear the word of the Lord. This has been a, a constant theme throughout John's gospel. Jesus is the word. Hear his voice. Respond to his call today, and in faith, follow him. Jesus says, I am the door. I will protect you. I will keep you from harm. I will save you. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I love you. I know you. I have laid down my life for you. I will give you life. Let's trust today in our gate, the door, and our good shepherd. Would you pray with me? Lord, we do want to come to you and ask you to help us. Lord, our faith wavers Lord, we look to so many other things to give us security, to give us life, to give us hope. where we thank you for your voice that has spoken to us through your word today, calling us back to follow you in faith and obedience. Lord, help us as your people, as your sheep, to trust you. To know that you are at work and that you know and love us, that you see the world around us and that you are calling us and protecting us. Or I thank you for my church family. I thank you for them, and I pray that we would embolden one another to follow you. or that we would be strong for one another and encourage one another as the day of Christ draws near. Lord, help us to respond in faith. And we thank you for Christ, who laid down this life for us. That is our hope, we pray in his name. Amen.